Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. Well, Today, if you're here for the very first time, we just want to say welcome. We count it a privilege and honor that you're here today. Uh, but secondly, if this is home for you, uh, you know that we've been talking about Easter Sunday for the last several weeks. In fact, God put it on our heart a few weeks ago that just in regards to uh, Easter Sunday, that we were just going to purpose to minister to people or pray for people that have sickness or things going on in their body. How many of you realize that God is still in the miracle business today? Amen. Amen. And so I'm just believing that if you're here, that again, it's not by accident. So you might as well leave here being uh, able to receive everything that God can do for your life. I mean, in fact, it ought to be one of those Easter's that you can put on the calendar. This was a, a landmarking uh, a day or Easter in my life. Everything changed on this particular day. So I'm just believing with you. I'm going to see some amazing things and see God do some amazing things in your life. Come on. Somebody say it with me. Say, I'm going to get mine. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, as we get started here, you know, just to kind of put us in a, a mind frame of just where we're headed today, you know, one of the things that we see in our society is that, you know, when it comes to just everything around about us, uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of hot air. Have you ever noticed that? It seems like there's a lot of uh, smoke being blown. You know what I mean? Whether it's the entertainment industry, whether it's the school systems, whether it be government, politicians, or even preachers. There's a lot of talk, but very little action in these days. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? There's a whole lot being said, but there's very little follow-through. And as a result, there's very little expectation that people have. As a result, there's very little faith or confidence that will see anything change. But today, as we come here today, we're going to celebrate Jesus, the one that changed everything. Can somebody say amen? I said Jesus is the one that changed everything. And so therefore, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never met him, if you've never received him into your life, then today is a good day for your life to be changed. Praise God. When it comes to the whole idea of coming to celebrate Easter, I know that it, again, causes people to think of it from a lot of different perspectives. But just so that you know, in regards to today's service here at GVC, today isn't going to be a dictation of the story of Easter or the resurrection. Today isn't going to be a religious service. 
Today is not going to be about a holiday or the traditions of men. Today we are going to celebrate the resurrected Jesus. The one who was and the one who is. The coming king of the Lord of Lords. The one that is still sitting on the throne. The one that death could not keep in the grave. He is the one that we are going to celebrate, exalt, and glorify and give praise today. Amen. And listen, when you begin to create an atmosphere where you exalt the risen Savior, you begin to have an environment that is conducive for miracles. Amen. Now you might say, oh, you're one of those kind of churches that believes that way. Yes, we are. And it's not by chance that you're here today. So if you're in need of a miracle, once again, you're in the right place at the right time. And there's no greater place to be than to hear about the miracle of what Jesus did. Amen? Now, with that being said, again, we, just, we are of the persuasion that Jesus is still in the miracle working business, in the healing business. And so, therefore, we see it on, on a regular basis around here. And, and unfortunately, it seems like I'm always the last one to hear about it. <laughs> you know, we always tell everybody, hey, if, if God does something, man, I want to know. I want to celebrate with you. And then it seems like it's down the road you find these things out, you know. Uh, uh, it was just a matter of a few weeks ago as we were ministering here in the service. Uh, just We were talking about Easter service and what you can expect. And I said, in fact, there might be some people here today that you just need God to move in your life. I said, you'll find that as you leave this place, you'll go home and that thing that you've been struggling with isn't going to be there no more. Well, so then my wife was talking with a young lady just this past week. I think it was Friday night. And she says to my wife, oh, by the way, she said, you know, uh, you know, when pastor said that the other day, she said, man, I've been struggling with migraines like every day, just severe migraines. And she said that particular Sunday when I came, she said, you know what? After I went home, I realized I didn't have migraines anymore and haven't had one since then. Amen. Now, here's what I think what comes of that is because we see God show up and we walk away and then all of a sudden we discover, oh. I have not been dealing with that anymore. And it might be several days later that you finally discovered, I'm not struggling with that anymore. And then you just forget to tell us about it. So I understand that. But there's another one. Uh, this is a woman, and you'll hear about her story here in just a little bit. But there was a woman just at the beginning of this year. She came and told us, she said, I have I, I've been diagnosed with lupus. And we're like, oh, wow. Well, we believe that lupus isn't too big for our God. And so just after talking to her, we said, well, let's just go ahead and pray for that thing. And so we prayed for that lupus and amen, said our prayers. Well, this was just about a month ago. We're standing in the kitchen and we're, that woman was in the kitchen because she came and was doing some work at the church. And, and I said to her, I said, hey, how's, how's the lupus stuff? You know, what's going on with that? And she goes, oh, she goes, I don't have it. I said, what? <laughs> she, she said, she said, I don't have lupus. I said, what do you mean you don't have lupus? I said, didn't you tell me you had lupus before? She goes, well, yeah. She goes, well, don't you remember you prayed? And I said, well, yeah. I said, but you never said anything. She goes, oh, well, yeah, by the way, the lupus is all gone. So praise God. Come on, how many of you know that God is still in the miracle working business? And so if he'll do it for one, he'll do it for another. So you might as well get yours today. Come on, say, I'm going to get mine today. Turn to your neighbor and say, you might as well get yours today. Amen. Praise God. So as I said, as you begin to talk about these things, if you begin to talk about the, the, the miracle working Jesus, the miracle working Jesus shows up. 
That's one of those things that I've learned over time, that if you'll begin to talk about Jesus in the right way, he'll show up in the manner that you talk about him. How many of you realize that if you start preaching about a Jesus, that brings salvation? What makes or what is made available when you talk about a saving Jesus? People can get saved or people can receive salvation in their life. Well, unless they hear, they can't receive. Well, unless you start talking about a miracle working God, then again, you can't receive or you won't have the faith to receive. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to stir your faith in the power of the resurrection to celebrate Easter in the way that it should be and see God perform today the way that he's always wanted to. Amen? Amen. All right. With that being said, there's three things that we're going to look at today. And that is, is number one, we're going to look at what happened before the cross. Number two, we're going to look at what happened on the cross. And thirdly, we're going to look at what happened after the cross. And if you'll have ears to hear, you'll find that what Jesus did before, during, and after created a recipe for you to receive what you have need of from Him. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. Once again, this is your day to receive. So let's begin to look at what Jesus came to do. Like I I said, we're going to look at what He did Before the cross, on the cross, and then after the cross. And if you recall, Jesus, after he was risen from the grave, he spent a few days with his disciples, and he said this. He said before he left, in fact, this was the last statement that he made to his disciples. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Anybody that will listen. Do you know what the word gospel is defined as? Good news. So the gospel is good news. It brings glad tidings. And so if you've been of the persuasion that this book brings doom and gloom, makes you sad, causes you to not have a certain way of life that you desire, or you miss out on having all the fun, then you've not heard the good news of the gospel because this Bible is not about what you can't do, but it's about all the things that you can do, and more importantly, that you've been saved from sin and you can spend eternity with Jesus. Amen. He says, go and preach the gospel to every creature. Tell them the good news. But the next thing he says, he says, and then, he says, those that believe that gospel, he says, they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. These were the final words that Jesus said to his disciples. How many of you are disciples? You might say, I don't know if I'm a disciple. A disciple is a follower of Christ. So if you follow Jesus, you're a disciple. So God said to you, he says, you can do the same thing. He said, if you're a believer, just lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Come on, somebody. And let me say this to you, that in the Greek language, that word that was translated into English, shall, back when it was translated, the word shall was one of the strongest words that the translators could use. They shall recover. But did you also know that in John's gospel, Jesus said this. It says, he who believes on me... Anything that he asks, he shall have so that my Father may be glorified. He says, whatever you ask in my name, he said, I will do it, and you shall have whatever you ask. Once again, that word shall, when they translate it, was the strongest word that they could use in the English, English language at that time. But when you define or go back to the Greek language and find out what it's really saying... Jesus is saying this. He says, whatever you ask in my name, he says, I will do it. And then it goes on to say this, that if I don't have it, I'll make it for you. 
Well, come on, somebody. You might say, well, I, I, I don't have a, a certain body part. There's something missing, and I have need of that. What well, did you recall in the Bible? Jesus made eyeballs? Sure he did. Amen. We've seen people with legs that are shorter than others grow right out. You say, well, what was needed or what was missing? A couple inches. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> he grew it right out. Amen. So once again, he said, whatever you desire, when you ask, believe you receive, and you shall have them. And if I don't have it for you, I'll make it. So listen, you might think, well, I'm in a real rough shape right now because I don't have something. Well, Jesus is in the miracle working business, and he can make it if he needs to. Amen? So once again, you don't have to leave here being the same, being a, 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 a sick individual. You can walk out being free and being healthy and whole. But more importantly, you can leave this place knowing that you're going to heaven as well. Amen. So once again, the gospel is good news. Now, I'm going to take you back for just a moment as we begin to research or just look at this what happened before the cross and I want to bring some things to your attention so I need some group participation and I want to take you back to the days of Sunday school now some of you don't know what Sunday school is modern church nowadays don't have Sunday school but you, you everybody get the point right all right so I'm gonna ask you some questions I want some group participation here but here's the first question for you who sinned and allowed sin to enter the earth Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve or man sinned and at sinning or when they sinned, the Bible says, says that sin then entered the earth. But when sin entered the earth, the Bible tells us that at that point, sickness and disease had access and entrance to the earth. You realize there was no sickness, no disease before man sinned, Right? And so when man sinned, sickness and disease came into the earth. Now, once again, here's another question for you. God said to Adam and Eve, he says, Now, don't eat from the blank or eat the fruit of the blank, of the tree. He says, listen, there's a tree in the garden. And he says, there's some fruit on that garden or in that garden. And he says, don't eat from that tree. Everybody say it, there was a tree. Now, once again, that's significant as to what we're going to look, about, look at here in just a moment. But there was a tree in the garden, and God says that upon eating of that tree, death will enter the earth. Did you realize there was a tree a little bit later down the road that produced life? And we'll look at that in just a minute. My last question is this. Who tempted Adam and Eve to partake of the fruit? Help me out. The snake or the serpent. We know that he was Satan or that he was the devil. But in Genesis, the Bible calls him the serpent. So it was the serpent that caused or tempted Adam and Eve to be sin. And once again, I bring these to your attention for some things that we're going to look at. But upon Adam and Eve sinning, committing sin, sickness and disease, entering into the earth, God, right at the beginning, initiates a plan. He says to the serpent, he says now, he says, you've caused my man to fall into sin. He said, but there is a seed that is coming. There is a seed or a man that is coming. And he says, now, when that man comes, he says, you will bruise his heel 
but he will crush your head. So what does that mean? He says to Satan, the serpent, he says, when that seed comes, you're going to inflict some bodily harm on that seed. He said, but he's going to turn around and he's going to crush your head and he's going to destroy the authority that you were given because of the fall of man. Amen. So right from the very beginning, God's saying there's an answer on the way. But interesting enough, God throughout the man's creation or the man's life, he begins to lay out a plan to tell them of what is to come. The seed is coming. The seed is coming. The answer is coming. And so I want to bring to your attention a couple things that we see that are always pointing to Jesus before Jesus got there. If you recall, the Bible says that Moses set the people of God free from Egypt. Do you remember the story? And it's a type and a shadow or an example of what salvation would look like when Jesus came. But as the story goes over in the book of Exodus, and we won't take the time of turning there, but in Exodus, the Bible says that they leave Egypt, they cross the Red Sea, and they spend three days in the wilderness. Isn't it interesting that they spent three days in the wilderness? How many days did Jesus spend in the grave? Three days. So after three days being in the wilderness... They haven't had anything to drink. And they start crying and complaining to Moses. And Moses, we need something to drink. And so they come up across this body of water that was bitter. You track it with me? You remember the story? You read your Bibles, right? So there was this water that was bitter. But we're thirsty. And people are getting sick and getting feeble as a result of not having anything to drink. They cry out, Moses cries out and says, God, I need some help here. And the Bible says this over in Exodus chapter 15, verse 25, and it says, the Lord showed him a tree. Everybody said he showed him a tree. He showed him a tree and he told him, now take this tree and put it in the water. And those waters that were bitter, he said, I'll make them sweet. And as a result... The Bible says that waters became healing waters. And then it goes on to say this in the verse, verse 26. It says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandment and keep all of his statutes. He says, I will permit none or put none of the diseases on you which I have brought, brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Amen. He said, I'm going to show you a tree. That which was bitter, the difficulties, the struggle, I'm going to turn it sweet. And then he says, I am the God that heals you. What was the tree representing? He was continually pointing to the tree that was to come. He was continually pointing to the seed that was coming that would be bruised, but he would crush the authority of the enemy. Amen. All right, as we continue to see the scripture in the lives of the children of Israel, we continue to see a little bit later on in the book of Numbers. The Bible says that as they were, uh, again, in the wilderness, they begin to sin against God. Isn't it interesting that God does all kinds of wonderful things for them and they still get stiff-necked and sin against God? Look at your neighbor and say, straighten up. <laughs> Amen. So they started messing up. And then the Bible says as a result, God sent fiery serpents and began to bite and kill the people of God. You know what I'm talking about? You read your Bible, right? 
Well, now this must have been a lot of serpents because there was roughly two to three thousand, uh, two to three million uh, uh, people of God, uh, uh, Israelites, right? So there had to be a lot of serpents. And so they begin to cry out to God, God, we need you to help us because we're getting bit by serpents. Remember, we already talked about a serpent, right? He said, we're getting bit by serpents. Do something. So Moses cries out once again, and God answers and says, go get a pole. Go get a wood pole. And make a bronze serpent and hang it on the pole or the wooden staff. And he says, now everyone that looks at the pole and the serpent shall be healed. They'll live and not die. What do you think the pole represented? A tree or a cross. What do you think that the serpent represented? It represented sin or the works of the serpent. And God says, there's something about the tree. There's something about the pole. There's something that I'm wanting you to see that is to come because the seed is coming and you're going to receive healing as a result of what I'm coming to do. Amen. But then we go on to see that not only that, this became a lifestyle. They began to, God was beginning to establish a pattern with them and everything that he was doing. For us, when it comes to our Christianity in this modern world, when it comes to this Bible, this is something that we might dust off every five years and read every, every uh, six and a half years, you know. Uh, this isn't something that has readily become real to us. But in the custom of the day, God set out a statue or an ordinance that says, read the word of God in the hearing of all my people. So therefore, they were very consistently hearing the pattern that God was setting before them by the writings of Moses or the law, if you will. And so they were continually hearing about a tree. They were continually hearing about a bronze, bronze serpent on a staff. And then a little bit later on, they began to hear the writings of a prophet named Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah began to speak as to what was to come in just a short while. So what happened before the cross? What preceded the cross? Because there was many things that were leading up to this point that God was saying, look at the tree. Look at what the tree is going to do in your life. Because in it is an answer. In it is healing. And in it is what is coming. Because I said, my seed is coming. Well, we see over in Isaiah chapter 53. Let me read it for you here. When it came to sickness and disease, sickness and disease was a byproduct of sin. But sickness and disease had to be paid for. I said sickness and disease had to be paid for. So in Isaiah 53... Verses 4 and 5, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Let me pause there for just a moment. If you're here today, and you might say, I don't have any physical ailments that I have in my body that I need to be set free from. What about your mind? Are you somebody that is chronically depressed? 
Are you somebody that carries grief from the past? Are you somebody that is constantly worried or panicking about whatever? Or constantly caring about fear in your life and it is causing your life to be affected? God says that concerning Jesus, Jesus bore your griefs and carried your sorrows. So if Jesus carried it, why are you continuing to carry it? If we continue to carry it, we are saying that what Jesus came to do was not enough. Jesus, let me take that from you. I know that you came to carry that grief, that sorrow, that anxiety, that depression, that worry. But listen, God, I'll, I'll handle this. I'll carry this. But no, the Bible says that Jesus came to carry your griefs and your sorrows. It says, we yet esteemed him smitten, stricken of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities or our sickness and disease. What did he do for our sickness and disease? It said that he was bruised. Amen. Well, what did God say to the serpent in the garden? He said, you will bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. So it was starting to unfold just like what God said. It goes on to say, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Amen. Jesus, before the cross, the Bible says that he was beaten and he was scourged. Why was that necessary? I thought he just needed to go to the cross. No, he paid your complete price for everything that ails you, spirit, soul, and body. Sickness and disease was a byproduct of sin, and sickness and disease had to be paid for. So therefore, Jesus allowed his body to be broken so yours don't have to be. Amen. And other translation says that actually the pain and the sickness of our diseases came upon him as he was being beaten. We think, oh, dear God, that would be so horrific being beat the way that he was. Can you imagine sickness and disease coming upon him at the very same time? That he's carrying the griefs and the sorrows as he carries his cross to Golgotha? I mean, the agony. But he did it for you. Why was his body broken? It was so that you could have health and healing in your body. So even before the cross, before the tree, Jesus paid the price for sickness and disease. Can somebody say amen? amen. After his body was, being, was beaten and broken, the Bible says that he was led to the cross. He hung upon the cross and the Bible says or calls it a tree. The Bible says that Jesus became sin for us. So, what is the ultimate definition or picture of sin itself? The serpent. So therefore, when Jesus hung on the cross and all of your sin and my sin came upon him, it was as the serpent on the cross being defeated. Do you see the picture that Jesus or, the, or that God was talking about or trying to show us early on that there was a tree and there was a promise that was given to us that if we would receive, we could not only receive salvation, but health and healing in our body. Amen. Well, so he went and allowed his body to be broken because sickness and disease had to be paid for. 
But then our sin had to be paid for. I said our sin had to be, for, be paid for, so therefore he took our place on the tree. Let me read something to you from Colossians chapter 2 in verses 14 and 15. It says that Jesus, having wiped away the handwriting of requirement that was against us, he nailed it to the cross or to the tree. Then it goes on to say that upon doing that, he disarmed principalities and powers. Do you know what principalities and powers are? It's devils. So in other words, when Jesus took your sin, Remember, his body was broken and paid the price for your sickness, but now he's dealing with your sin. And it says that he nailed your sin to the cross, and therefore sin is paid for. And now that sin is paid for, he disarms all the power that the enemy had over you to try to bring sickness and disease against your body. Remember, that's what God said. He says he's going to, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. When he took your place on the cross, he disarmed the devil, and therefore he has no legal right over you anymore. He can try all he wants to bring sickness and disease on your body, and he does a good job of it, but it doesn't have to stay there. Why? Because we have a promise that says Jesus paid the price so that I don't have to have sickness and disease a part of my lifestyle. Amen. So in other words, today, if you've been walking around thinking, well, this is just my, my lot in life. No, you can be free today. You can walk away from here knowing that, praise the Lord, Jesus paid the price for my physical body, not only my spiritual well-being. Amen? Now, let me give you a different example or a different translation of that scripture. Let me read it to you once again in Colossians. It says this. Having wiped away the handwriting of requirement that was against us, he nailed it to the cross and he disarmed all principalities. Look at this translation. It says this. Dying our death, he canceled every detail, record, stain, consciousness, reminder of all our failures and guilts. Dying mankind's death, he diffused every possible claim of accusation against the human race. The voice of the cross will never be silenced. I said the voice of the cross will never be silenced. The voice of the cross is still speaking today. What's it speaking? You are free in Jesus' name. Amen. And not only then that, that, that was he held or hung on the cross, the Bible says that they pierced his side where blood and water flowed. The blood of Jesus was what was required to wash away our sins. But let me just give you another side thought. When his body was being beaten... His body being torn. You can only imagine how bloody he was, right? But did you know that your body, that the reason that your body bleeds is for a few things? Number one, when your body bleeds, it cleanses the wound, right? And immediately the blood goes to work at healing the body that was wounded. So Jesus not only shed his blood on the cross for the complete sacrifice of sin... When his body was beaten and those wounds began to bleed, the power of the blood of Jesus began to create a healing and a cure for your own sickness and disease in your body. Well, you talk about an antibiotic. You talk about something that is medicine to your flesh. It's the blood of Jesus that makes you whole. Amen? Amen. And then lastly, we see not only did he take our punishment before the cross, not only did he take our punishment on the cross, 
But the Bible says that he went to hell in our place. And that was the ultimate punishment for sin. So not only did sin produce sickness and disease by which Jesus paid the price for. Not only did Jesus pay the price for our sin, but he also paid the price for the consequence of our sin, which was eternal separation from God. The Bible says that he went there for three days for you and me. But then on the third day, there could be a voice heard down in the bowels of hell. And it was the voice of the cross crying out that could not be silenced. It was crying out, come forth in Jesus' name. You can't keep an innocent man down. He paid the price. Now come alive. And the Bible says that Jesus rose from the grave. Amen. So no longer can sickness and disease uh, defeat us. No longer can sin defeat us. And no longer can death defeat us. Because Jesus paid the price for all three. Amen. And so today we have the ability to receive health and healing in our physical body. And eternal salvation through what Jesus came to do. Amen. Amen. And so you might be here this morning. You might be here this morning and you say, I don't know that I would receive or that I've received Jesus as my personal Savior. I don't know where I would go today if I were to die leaving this place. If you're watching the headlines, the Bible is coming to pass right before our eyes. Jesus is coming very soon. And so if you don't know Jesus, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, then hell is your fate for eternity. And I don't want you to leave this place not having the opportunity to receive Jesus. Now listen to what I'm saying. I don't want you to respond to what I'm getting ready to ask you as a result of being fearful and going to hell. Because if all you do is, is uh, respond out of fear, then you'll go back to a way of living and never live as though you received Jesus into your life. All you'll do is respond based upon an emotional response. But if you sense something on the inside today, that there is a living Jesus that wants to know you, that you've never come to experience per firsthand, then I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus this morning. Amen? Can we all stand? Now, I'm having you stand for just a moment, and we're not done by any means. I just want us for in this moment to reverence God and what Jesus came to do. With every head bowed and every eye closed. There are miracles that are getting ready to happen right now. I realize that when we hear about sickness and disease being healed, we're like, wow, what a miracle. What an amazing story. What an amazing thing. But there is no greater miracle than somebody that receives Jesus into their life and escapes eternal hell. I don't believe by chance that you're here today. And I believe that there's at least somebody here that says, I want to receive Jesus. Maybe there's somebody here today that you've said, you know what? I've walked away from God. I've not been living for God. But today, in 2022, I want to know that I've got my heart right with Jesus. And I want to receive the miracle and walk in the miracle of receiving salvation today. If you're here in this place, in just a moment, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand to say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to receive salvation. I want to receive a miracle today of eternal life. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. Now, here's my promise to you. 
Nobody's looking around. Every head's bowed. Every eye's closed. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to the front. But when you raise your hand, it's just going to give me the opportunity to acknowledge you and pray for you and lead all of us into a prayer of receiving the miracle of salvation. Today's your day. Don't leave this place not knowing where your eternity is. Are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Lift your hand. I want to receive Jesus. I see that hand. One hand, two hands, three hands. Anyone else? You can put it down once you put it up. I saw that fourth hand. Anybody else? You're here in this place. And you say, I don't know that I would go to heaven. If I was to get in a car accident pulling out of this driveway, I don't know my eternity's fate. If you're here today and you say, I want to receive Jesus. One more time. Would you lift your hand if if you haven't done so already? All right. I saw four hands. If I missed one, I apologize. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray as a congregation together. You realize there's comfort in numbers, so we're just going to pray right alongside you. But if you lifted your hand, make this declaration out loud. Mean it from your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I ask you to forgive me now. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I don't know if you just recognize what happened, but there was at least four miracles that happened right here in front of your eyes. Glory to God. Amen. You might be saying, I'm waiting to see somebody get out of a wheelchair. I'm waiting to see somebody raised from the dead. You just did. You saw somebody raised from eternal death to eternal life. The greatest miracle that a man could ever see or experience. Amen. Glory to God. Now, let me say this before I have you sit down. It is so imperative that you find a church. If we're not your flavor, so be it. Let us know. We'll point you into a direction to get you into a good church. But you cannot and will not grow in your relationship with God outside of the local church. They'll help you grow. They'll love on you. They'll disciple you. You need the local church. If not, you'll go back about your merry way as though you never received Jesus. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So get plugged into a church. Amen. Well, that's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.